Of course, <clears throat> the ones responsible for changing Ulam Hazer from a state of Hester to a state of Giloi, in other words, from a state of Hesti Yehudoi to a state of Gili Yehudoi, or from a situation of Chesan deficiency to a situation of Tikkun rectification or restoration, are the ones <clears throat> ontologically connected to all creation. In other words, that they are connected to all four ulamas or existential planes, all the higher dimensions. These are the Masaknim who presently and for the last 4,000 years have been identified as the Jews. Only a Masaknim can intervene and alter ulam hazer as regards its degree of yuchud manifestation. This is the true power of the Jew and his true spiritual identity, the identity as a Masakin status. In order for a Masakin to accomplish this feat or task, that is to alter the state of Ilm Hazer from one of Hesti Yehudoi to one of Gili Yehudoi, he must possess the, the proper instrument or method, the Oifen, and with this instrument he can achieve the Tikkun HaKloli of all creation. Before we proceed to clarify the precise nature of this instrument, we already can identify and explain three of the seven terms which I had enumerated previously. Instrumental subjects, what is that? Instrumental subjects are the individuals or subjects that can utilize the instrument to bring about the Tikkun of creation or the Tikkun of Ilm Hazer. In other words, that Ulam Hazer should be in a state of Gili Yehudoi, thereby providing for themselves an everlasting Dveka state with the Rabbani Shalom. And the reason why they can do that, that, of course, is because they are ontologically connected to all creation. The instrumental subjects, in other words, are identical to the Masaknim, who are, of course, the Jews. They are the subjects of the instrument in other words, they are the ones that can employ the instrument to actually bring a tikkun to the Bria. Nobody else can do this. <clears throat> no non-Jew can actually employ the instrument to bring a tikkun to the Bria. In other words, no matter how much he is, he is engaged in the Avedah, the consequences of his acts in the Avedah have nothing to do with tikkun in the Bria. Only the Jews can, because they are the only ones that have the Masakan status. The second uh, term which I had mentioned is that of instrumental outcome. And what instrumental outcome is, is that it is the effect or the outcome of the instrument being employed by the Masaknim. This, of course, <coughs> this is, of course, Ulam Hazer in a state of Gili Yehudu or creation, or rather creation in a situation of Tikkun uh, uh, Hakloli. That is what the instrumental outcome is. In other words, it is the outcome of the use of the instrument, which is, of course, Ilim Hazer in a state of Tikkun HaKloli or in a state of Gili Yehudoi. The third term I had mentioned is instrumental objective. And what the, instrument, uh, the instrumental objective is, is that it is the primary, ultimate, fundamental rationale for the entire utilization of the instrument by the Masaknim in the first place. That is, to enable the Masaknim to achieve the experience of Asogasi Chudoin, thereby creating for themselves an everlasting state of Dvekis between themselves and the Rabbani Shalom. Thus, the instrumental objective is the payoff of the entire Ilm Hazer. It is that which gives the Jews 
their state of Vegas. The objective of the entire creation is that Jews should be in a state of Vegas with the Rabbani Shalom, and this will take place, of course, in Ilum Hazer, rather Ilum Habo. Actually, somewhat takes place in Ilum Hazer because in Yemaisa Mashiach, Jews will have a state of Vegas with the Rabbani Shalom. In fact, it says that Nevius prophecy will be tremendously uh, 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 proliferated throughout the entire world. It will be very easy for a Jew to have prophecy. And we know that the essence of prophecy, of course, is the state of Dvekas that exists between the Jew and the Rabbani Shalom. This state will, of course, will be tremendously prevalent at that time in Yemais Mashiach. So the truth is that at that time, Jews will be in a tremendous state of Dvekas with the Rabbani Shalom. However, the real straight state of Dvekas with the Rabbani Shalom takes place, of course, in Ulam Habor. And that state is incomprehensible for anybody to imagine. No one has ever uh, conceived of that state. Uh, and uh, that state, of course, that, that kind of exhilarating bliss that a Jew has in Ulam Habor uh, during the Dvekas state. We now are in a position, after this brief introduction of related concepts, to pursue an understanding of the precise nature of the instrument itself. That is the instrument that can achieve tikkun hakloli or giliyuchudoi, because that is really the purpose of the instrument. We may ask, what is the essence of the avoda which a Jew is obligated to execute? What is the key idea, the essential idea or the key element in the avoda? with which a Jew can actually perform this incredible feat of Tikkun. Now, as relates the clarification of the instrument of Tikkun, or the Avedor, we are required to elucidate three primary areas in the instrument. The first is the essential idea or key element that actually causes Tikkun or Gilui to occur. This is called the instrumental essence. That is the first idea or term that we have to clarify. What exactly is the key element that actually causes Tikkun to occur or Gili Yehudai to be manifest? The uh, second term, the second primary area, is what is the underlying principle or concept of this key element that allows or enables this element to cause tikkun or giloi. In other words, what in the essential element, the instrumental essence, what in it, what point or key idea, underlying principle of that instrumental essence, what is it, and thereby the instrumental essence can cause tikkun or giliyuchudai? What is the principle of the instrumental essence itself? Now, <laughs> this is called the instrumental principle. So that is the second primary area we have to clarify. The third primary area we have to clarify is the variant forms that this key element is manifest or expressed in, thereby enabling several different types of actions to qualify for instrumentation capabilities. In other words, we see that there can be all different types of actions that express this key element that they can cause tikkun or gilui to transpire. 
And the reason why there are different types of actions that can perform Tikkun is because they all express this key element. So therefore, what are the varying forms that this key element is expressed in? And therefore, we can have different types of actions actually qualifying to be an instrument for Tikkun. Now this area or primary area is called the instrumental form. And there's a third area that we really have to clarify. Those three ideas, the instrumental essence, the instrumental principle, and the instrumental form, will tell us an enormous fundamental um, grasp of the structure of the Avrida. Now let us take a look at the instrumental essence, or the, uh, the key element of the Avrida. Now the instrumental essence, or key element of the Avrida, the essential idea is the fundamental concept of Edus Yehudai. And what is Edus Yehudai? The testimony or declaration through one's behavior, actions, observances, and performances that the Rabbani Shalom is absolutely one. Edus Yehudai, that declaration and testimony is the key element in the Avodah. And what that does is is that what Edis Yehudah means is that one testifies to the absolute oneness of the Rabbani Shalom. And what that oneness means, it basically includes several ideas. One is that he is the source of all being, and he is the continuous source of all being. The second idea is the as a result of the fact that he is the source of all being, he is the consequent master of all being. Now both these ideas relate to us. <clears throat> In other words, it is the understanding of the Rabbani Shalom as it relates to us. Because he is the source of our being and he is the master of all being. That is an understanding that we want to achieve in terms of understanding that he is absolutely one. In terms of how God relates to us. Now... <laughs> Other understandings in the concept that God is absolutely one is as he relates to himself. And that comprises this, the following ideas. That he is being or existence per se. Also that he alone therefore truly is. Since God is existence per se, therefore he is. Merely because he is existence per se. It also includes the idea that he must be, because existence must be. And also, the last idea which is, which is encompassed in the concept of absolute oneness is the fact that <clears throat> the Rabbani Shalom is the only being that exists even after creation. And that, of course, is the concept of Enoibel Vadoi. Thus, these several ideas, actually six, are included in the idea of the concept that the Rabbani Shalom is absolutely one. They are all included in the idea of Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom. Thus, Edis Yichudoi is when one attests and professes that the reality that we perceive is an actuality or reality based upon and pervaded by the Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom. And that this Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom should shape one's behavior and actions. In reality, these, these three ideas that the Rabbani Shalom is absolutely, absolutely one, that his oneness is the pivot of reality, or in other words, that reality is an expression 
of his oneness. And the third idea that one's behavior should be determined by the Rabbani Shalom's absolute oneness, these three ideas are also subsumed under the concept of Edisi Chudoi that is expressed through one's behavior and actions. Thus, when one through his actions proclaims and declares the Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom, he is in essence declares these three ideas, that God is one, that reality is based on the oneness, and not that the Rabbani has nothing to do with reality, but that the harmony of the Bria is really a reflection of the oneness of the Rabbani Shalom. That's the second idea. And the third idea, that since God is one, and that reality is based on his oneness, it is proper to exhibit behavior which conforms to the oneness of the Bria. In other words, <clears throat> to act, or that the actions of a person itself should proclaim and declare the Rabbani Shalom's Yichud. So therefore, ADC Yichudoi comprises really a testimony or declaration of these three ideas. Now, it is interesting to mention, and I had mentioned this quite a while ago, that the Pasuk, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lakeinu Hashem Echad, Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, really, in essence, is a declaration. It's really an affirmation or attestation vocally of the instrumental essence or key element of the Avodah. That's what Shema really is. It is actually a vocal statement, a declaration of the instrumental essence. What we attempt to perform all our lives what we endeavor to execute with all our behaviors and actions, namely Edesi Chudoi, that the Rabbani Shalom is absolutely one, we now voice and testify with our mouths. Shema Yisrael Hashem Lokeinu Hashem Echad. That the Rabbani Shalom, who is our God, is one. We see this Pasuk at the end of our lives because this Pasuk is a concise statement, a true summary, and a precise declaration of what our lives should constitute. Namely, the ADC Chudai of the Rabbani Shalom through all our behaviors and actions. Thus, the Shema statement is in reality, and this is really what Shema Yisrael really is. It's a declaration of the instrumental essence itself, or that key element in the Avodah that makes the Avodah just what it is and just what it can do. Namely, the instrument whereby one can achieve the Tikkun HaKloli or Gili of creation. That's what Shema really is. It is the instrumental essence. And it tells us what the essential key idea of the Avodah is. <coughs> Namely, Edis Yehudoi. <coughs> Edis Yehudoi in any mitzvah is the essential kernel, the key causative factor, then, that enables the mitzvah to operate as an instrument or device which can cause tikkun or gili to occur. That is what enables a mitzvah to do its job. It is the edis yehudoi element in the mitzvah that makes the mitzvah the instrument. In fact, without the edis yehudoi, the mitzvah could never perform a tikkun. All mitzvahs have edis yehudoi in them, as well, uh, well explained later. In fact, the last letter of Shema, which is an ayin, and the last letter of Echod, which is a dalad, spells out the word aid, 
or witness, which is precisely what one is supposed to be as regards the Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom. You're supposed to be a witness testifying what? Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. That's why the Ayin and the Dalet, by the way, which is enlarged in the Sefer Torah, is really saying what a Jew should be. Be an aid, a witness, testify what? The Pasuk of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. In addition, <coughs> these letters, letters, the Ayin and the Dalet, reversed form the word Da. Aid backwards is Da, which means no which is precisely the objective of one's being an aid to the Yichud of the Rabbani Shalom. Namely, that as a result of one's Eidus Yichudoy, one will com- comprehend and know the Yichud, that Yichud, when Oilam Hazer, will pass through the second stage, namely that of Gil Yichudoy, which of course is brought about by one's testimony and declaration of the Rabbani Shalom's Yichud in the first place. In other words, the testimony itself is the Pasuk Shema Yisrael Hashem Lokeinu Hashem Echod. That is the instrumental essence. That is what gives the mitzvah its power to Masakin. <clears throat> the first letter, or rather the last letter of the first word and the last letter of the last word is aid, because that is the activity that a Jew has to be doing, namely testifying or witness. What will result if the Jew testifies? What will be the result if the Jew serves as a witness? and testifies that God is one, is the reverse, Da. He will know the Eidis Yehudoi that he testifies himself. He will be privy to Hasogas Yehudoi, which we know is the Dvekus state in Oilam Habo. So it's interesting that Shema Yisrael contains the essence of the entire Avodah. It is the instrumental essence, what a person is supposed to testify, in other words, the instrumental essence is that a person is supposed to testify to the Yichud, the oneness of God. It tells you the activity of a Jew that he must be an aid to this statement that God is one. And it tells you the reward of Da, that if you do this, you will know the very testimony that you declare in Oilam Habo. So we see that Shema Yisrael is an incredibly fundamental statement. We see so far... <coughs> That Edis Yehudai, which is a testimony or the declaration that God is absolutely and completely one, we see so far that this Edis Yehudai is the instrumental essence or the key element in the Avodah. <clears throat> this is what powers the Avodah. One expresses or declares the oneness of the Rabbanu Shlom through one's behavior or through one's actions, observances, or performances. You can declare this Edis Yehudai through any one of these. Now this is true, whether that behavior be overt, such as deeds, acts, or spoken words, those are overt acts, or covert, such as thoughts, images, or feelings. A person can testify or declare the absolute oneness of God through any covert or overt behavior. Thus a person is made Yehuda, he testifies to the oneness of God in all the different dimensions that he strives or behaves in, whether it be the physical dimension, doing or speaking, whether it be the emotional dimension, feeling, or the mental dimension, thinking and imagining. The concept of Edis Yehudah can be expressed in all of man's behavior 
cutting across all the behavioral dimensions he exists and operate, operates in. So we see, therefore, that Edis Yehudoi, to declare and testify the absolute oneness of God, is not merely on the physical plane, but it really cuts across all the different dimensions that an individual or person strives in. A man strives in basically three dimensions. Physically, he physically acts, he speaks. He strives in the emotional plane, emotional dimension, he feels and he strives in the mental dimension, he thinks and he imagines. Man exists or strives or behaves in all these dimensions. And in all these dimensions, he can declare or testify to the oneness of God. <clears throat> we observe thus far that the essential idea of the instrument, the key element of the Avedo and the instrumental essence of those observances and actions that can bring a tikkun to creation is the concept of Edisi Chudoi. In other words, the testimony or the declaration of the complete and total oneness of the Rabbani Shlom. Now, Every observance or behavior or action or performance which is executed by a Jew for the purpose of establishing Gili Yehudoi, the revelation of this oneness of God in Elam Hazer, must contain this idea intrinsically. This idea is inherently connected to every observance that can serve as an instrument for Tikkun. But we may ask, how is this concept of Edis Yehudoi expressed in behavior? How do we see it in behavior? In what manner does a behavior demonstrate or manifest this key concept of Edis Yehudoi? In other words, how do we relate this idea of testimony of the absolute oneness of God and the fact that it is somehow inherently expressed or manifested in behavior? Because I am saying that this idea of Edis Yehudoi is that which generates or powers the observance to be an instrument of Tikkun. So therefore the question is, how does the behavior reflect or manifest this Edis Yehudoi? <coughs> to clarify how behavior exhibits the concept of Edis Yehudoi, let us take the observances of mitzvahs as a primary example. <coughs> now, mitzvahs we know are of biblical origin, which means that we know of mitzvahs because they originate in the Torah. They are derived, in other words, from the Bible, from the Word of God. In other words, the Torah is the source of the mitzvahs. Therefore, mitzvahs contain what's called biblical authority, since they are derived from the Torah. What is biblical authority? That the command to do mitzvahs is by the Rabbani Shalom and not by anybody else. In other words, the Rabbani Shalom commands them to be performed by Jews. If that's the case, if they are biblically derived and if they have authority from the Rabbani Shalom, we can assume that they are instruments for Tikkun. In other words, that mitzvahs are instruments for Tikkun. And that is why the Rabbani Shalom wants Jews to perform them. He wants the universe to go to, from a state of Hesed to a state of Gilui, from a state of Chisan to a state of Tikkun. Also, we can surmise that they can establish the degree of Yichud manifestation to be one of Gili Yehudai. And that is really what we mean by the essence of the instrument. That the instrument is able to alter the Yichud manifestation, the degree of the revelation of God 
in ilm hazeh. It can alter it. That's how powerful this instrument is. Because ilm hazeh initially has a certain amount or degree of yuchud manifestation. A certain amount of presence of God <coughs> which is revealed in creation. The instrument of tikkun, the mitzvahs, can alter that. It can actually interfere with this state and alter it to a state from a state of hesed to a state of giloy. Now, if so, they must contain the key element or essential idea of Edis Yehudah. <coughs> it is only this idea expressed in them that powers them, that enables them to display and possess instrumental capabilities of changing in a positive direction the degree of Yehud manifestation present in Elim Hazer. So the question is, how is it present in them? We know that there are 613 commandments, or tzivuyim, tariag mitzvahs. And if we want, we can divide them into two basic categories. Now, mitzvahs can be divided in many ways. We can categorize or classify mitzvahs in many ways. We can classify them by positive commandments, mitzvahs asay, and negative commandments, mitzvahs loisa asay. We can classify mitzvahs according to what they do. Some mitzvahs deal with laws of agriculture. In other words, uh, uh, product, uh, products that you have to give away after you reap the harvest. Some laws deal with time constraints, Shabbos and so on. Some laws deal with ownership and so on. However, I'd like to divide the mitzvahs along another parameter. I would like to divide the mitzvahs in two categories. The first category is from the standpoint of a mitzvah being in opposition or conflict with a person's desire or interest. In other words, there are those mitzvahs which are in conflict. They oppose a person's desire or interest because they are against his needs, his drives or his urges. Now, it doesn't make a difference if the mitzvah is positive. It's a mitzvah say, as, for instance, eating in a sukkah. In that case, if the mitzvah is eating in a sukkah, then the reason why the person would oppose eating in a sukkah is because the sukkah is cold and it's damp. So the performance of a mitzvah say, eating in a sukkah, is contrary to the needs of a person. Or it does make a difference if it's a mitzvah say or mitzvah loisa say. In other words, a negative tzivoy. For instance, mitzvah trefa. And the reason why this would be a person would be against eating trefa is because if he is hungry and he's weak, obviously he wants to eat what's readily available. And whether it's trefa or not doesn't really make a difference. So therefore, if there's a mitzvah not to eat trefa meat, that is obviously in opposition to a person's needs, drives, his desires, and his interests. This is the first category of mitzvahs. Those mitzvahs which oppose and basically conflict with a person's desire or interest. Now, the second category of mitzvahs is from the standpoint of a mitzvah being in conformity and agreement with a person's desire and self-interest. In other words, the mitzvah is in harmony with his needs, his drives, and his urges. Whether it be a mitzvah say, for instance, eating matzah on Pesach, Let's say a person loves to eat matzah, and we are commanded to eat matzah the first night of Pesach. In that case, the mitzvah is in total conformity with his uh, desires and his interests. Or if it's a mitzvah loisah, say, and the mitzvah is in conformity with a person's desire. What's a good example of that? 
For instance, the prohibition against eating blood or insects. Now, there's a mitzvah say not to eat blood, or not to eat many insects, and so on. And that obviously is a uh, a negative commandment, but it's in conformity with a person's desires and interests. A person wouldn't eat blood even if he wasn't commanded, nor would he eat insects, generally speaking anyway. Depends where you come from. But most people would not eat insects. Most people that I know don't eat insects. And uh, they certainly wouldn't eat blood. So therefore we see that mitzvahs can be divided basically into two categories. Along the parameter of is the mitzvah in opposition and in conflict with the person's desire and interest? Or is, in the, or is the mitzvah in agreement, in accordance, in conformity with a person's desire and interest? That is the way I want to divide the mitzvahs because we will see that in each kind, in each category, uh, the idea or the concept of Eidisi Chudoi is expressed. Now, let us take a mitzvah in opposition to and in conflict with a person's desire and interest to demonstrate how the performance of that mitzvah declares the yichud of the Rabbani Shalom. What will be observed is that this manner of Eidusi Chudoi extent in this mitzvah of category 1 is really true for all mitzvahs in that category. In other words, category 1. We will then take a mitzvah which is in concurrence and conformity to a person's desire and self-interest and demonstrate how the performance of that mitzvah attests to the yichud of the Rabbanu Shlam. Then we will observe, in other words, what will be observed is that this manner of Eidis Yichudoi, exhibited by the mitzvah, is true for all mitzvahs in that category, which is category 2. In other words, I have divided the mitzvahs into two categories, along the parameter of, is the mitzvah in opposition to a person's desire and interest, or is it in conformity with a person's desire and interest, and all 613 mitzvahs are either in opposition or are either in conformity. And there are degrees of opposition and degrees of conformity. But I'm going to be discreet and assume that it falls in one or the other category. And we are going to see how ADC Yehuda is expressed in either one of these categories. Now, let's take a mitzvah in, uh, um, in the area or the category of opposition to uh, an individual's interest or um, desire. And the mitzvah that I want to take is the mitzvah not to eat trefa. That's a loisase. Loisase trefa. Loisase called mevelo, whatever. You cannot eat trefa. Okay. And obviously the reason why it's in opposition is because of hunger and weakness. Let's take a classic example. Let's, let's see how this illustrates how a person observes the mitzvah he is in essence being made Yehudai. <clears throat> for instance, <clears throat> or for example, you are walking along, you are famished and you are weak, and you've spent all day walking, let's say, in Manhattan. All of a sudden you smell this delici delicious food, this odor which is emanating from a restaurant, but this restaurant happens to be Trefer. <clears throat> now, you have needs, namely, you have to have a food supply to give you energy. And therefore you have a drive. The drive is hunger to make sure that you get up and secure the food. Now the fact that you have a need and a drive for food creates an intense desire and an interest to eat the tray for food in the restaurant. That is a scenario that you are tired, 
you are weak, you are hungry, and you have this tremendous desire to eat food or trade for food in a restaurant. Now, the Rabbani Shalom, however, says that this food is also for you to eat. There is a mitzvah, say, that you cannot eat this tray for food. This is what God says. Now, in other words, you are commanded to refrain from eating this food. <clears throat> now, there's one of two possibilities. Either you will eat this food, or you will refrain, refrain from eating this food. Let's take a look at either way. If you eat this food, you essentially and most subtly declare and testify to the following three ideas. <clears throat> this is what happens when you eat the food. This is really your subtle declaration and testimony. Even if you don't realize it, this is in essence what you're really saying or declaring. Even if you don't vocalize or voice it. The first idea is that you are testifying to the primacy of your desires as opposed to the Rabbani Shalom's desires. It is your desire to eat. Therefore, you are testifying that your desires have supremacy over the Rabbani Shalom's desires. His desire is that you should not eat. Your desire is that you should eat. When you eat, you are really testifying that your desires have supremacy to the Rabbani Shalom. In other words, what you in essence are doing is, I want to fulfill my desires. That's the first thing you are saying, is that my desires come before God's desires. The second statement that you are testifying to is the permissibility and legitimacy of asserting your will as opposed to God's will. In other words, I want to do what I will to do. In other words, people want to do what they want to do. It doesn't make a difference what it is they want to do. They want to assert their will. Therefore, when you, in actuality, eat from this tray for meat, not only are you declaring the supremacy, primacy of your desires, but you are also legitimatizing and uh, you are making permissible the concept that you may assert your will. I will do what I want to do and nobody's going to tell me anything different. That's the second thing you are testifying to. The third thing you are testifying to is the assertion and confirmation of yourself as an independent being from the Rabbani Islam. In other words, what you are really saying is, I can fulfill my desires and I can assert my will because I also exist just like God. In other words, because I have an independent existence from the Rabbani Islam, I can therefore do what I want, I can testify, to, I can uh, fulfill my desires, and I can also uh, assert my will. In other words, essentially you are testifying to the idea of Yesh Oid Mavadoi, that besides God, there is somebody else, namely myself. I exist independently from the Rabbanishnam, therefore I can assert my will and I can also fulfill my desires. Now, if you do not eat this food, in other words, you go in accordance with the Rabbani Shalom's mitzvah, then in that circumstance, you essentially and most subtly testify and declare these three ideas. In other words, there's a statement or an implied declaration if you observe the commandment of God. What are these three ideas that you subtly declare, that you subtly imply <coughs> to yourself? One. The primacy of the Rabbani Shalom's desires in opposition to your desires. 
In other words, I want to fulfill his desires. When you do the mitzvah and you don't eat the tray for food, what you are really saying on one level is that his desires have supremacy, have primacy over mine. The second thing that you are saying is you are testifying to the preeminence of fulfilling the Rabbani Shalom's will as opposed to fulfilling your own will. In other words, I will do what he wants me to do, not at all what I want me to do. It's a question here of will. And the third idea that you're really declaring to yourself is the assertion and confirmation that the Rabbani Shalom is the only being that truly is, and therefore it is his desires and his will which <clears throat> only exists and therefore must be satisfied. And you merely emanate from him and you are completely dependent upon him. In other words, you essentially testify and declare to the idea of Ein So therefore, when you observe a commandment that is in opposition to your interest and your desire, when you observe the commandment, you're really testifying to these three ideas. That his desires have supremacy, have primacy, his will must be satisfied as it goes to mine. And the reason why his desires have supremacy, the reason why his will is absolute and the only thing to consider is because he is the only thing that really exists. I am dependent on him, he is the source of my being, and in truth, his will and desires are the only thing that really exists. Nothing else exists. And if it looks like I also have a will, I also have a desire, that itself was created by God to give me an illusion that it exists independently from Him. Therefore, when a person uh, observes the commandment of God, which would be in opposition to his interest, in opposition to his desire, he is in essence testifying to Ein Vadoi that besides God, there is nothing else. And what is important to remember is not that a person realizes this, but the implied statement, the implied declaration of this behavior of doing the mitzvahs of God, where in reality you are in opposition to that mitzvah because it conflicts with your desire and interest, the implied statement to you unconsciously is that only God exists. Therefore, his desires have supremacy, his desires have supremacy, his will is the only thing that uh, must be fulfilled. And his uh, because of Ein Oid Milvadoi. Now we see, therefore, that in any mitzvah which is in opposition to your desires and interests, not only by the mitzvah of Isa Trefa, but in any mitzvah which is in category one, in other words, the mitzvah is in opposition or in conflict with your desire and interests. We see, therefore, that if you transgress the mitzvah, you are testifying and declaring the primacy of your desires, your will, in other words, in essence, your independent existence from the Rabbani Shlam. That is a statement of Yesh Oid Mavadoi, that besides God, you also exist. If you observe the mitzvah, then you testify and profess the preeminence of the Rabbani Shlam's desires, his will, and his sole existence. In other words, Einoid Mavadoi. Thus, the key element of Edis Yehudai, the testimony and declaration of the oneness of God, or Ein Mavadoi, 
that's really what that statement means, is present in potential form in every mitzvah of category one and is declared when you perform those mitzvahs. That's what we see. That potentially in category one, all the mitzvahs of category one, those mitzvahs which are in conflict with your desires and interests, in potential there is a statement of to be said. And if you perform the mitzvah of category one, in essence you are declaring which of course is really a declaration of edus yechudoi, the idea that God is the sole being that really exists. Now, let's take a look at category two. Let's take a mitzvah in category two, which is when the mitzvah is in agreement and conformity to your desire and self-interest and see how edus yechudoi is intrinsically expressed and reflected through this mitzvah. Now, as an example, I want to pick a mitzvah of, let's say, eating matzah the first night of Pesach, which is a mitzvah say, a positive commandment. Let's assume that you love to eat matzahs. <clears throat> now, the Rebbe commands you to eat matzahs the first night of Pesach, and you, of course, are looking forward to it. Your interest and desire is in total agreement and harmony to this mitzvah. It is important to note that in this kind of mitzvah, there is no conflict of act at all. Both the Rabbani Shalom and you want this act performed. So obviously it is different than the mitzvahs in category 1, where there is a conflict of the act itself. In category 2, there is no conflict of the act. You want to do the act, the Rabbani Shalom commands you to do the, to do the act, therefore you are in harmony with God's command. Now, as far as this category is concerned, you can do one of two things. If you eat the matzah on the first night of Pesach, uh, and if you eat this matzah completely in response to your desire and self-interest, in other words, if you go completely according to your motives, and um, you disregard the fact that the Rabbi commanded it, in other words, you're doing this act only because you like to eat matzah and uh, this is an, uh, you desire to eat matzah, you enjoy to eat matzah and you're not doing this at all because the Rabbani Shalom commanded you. Then in fact, you testify and you declare in a very subtle fashion the following three ideas. <clears throat> One is the primacy of your desires as opposed to the Rabbani Shalom's desires. In other words, what you're really saying in essence is I want to fulfill my desires to eat what I enjoy. And that is the real reason why you are doing it. In other words, you are really uh, um, uh, testing the primacy, the supremacy of your desires as opposed to the desires uh, of the Rabbani Shalom. That's the first thing that you very subtly declare and testify. The second thing that you testify to in a very subtle fashion by this act of uh, doing this mitzvah purely because you want to do the mitzvah, because you enjoy eating matzah, is the concept of the permissibility and legitimacy of asserting your will as opposed to fulfilling the Rabbani Shalom's will. In other words, what you are saying in effect is, <clears throat> I want to do what I will to do, and since I enjoy eating matzah, that is what I want to do, and I want to do that. But it's not so much a statement of what you want to do, eating matzah, it's, I want to do what I will to do. Whether it be eating matzah or anything else, 
I want to assert to fulfill my will. And by eating matzah, uh, purely in, uh, in, uh, in uh, conformity with your motive, then what you're really doing is asserting that will. And you are saying that you have legitimacy in asserting your will. And the third testimony is the assertion and the confirmation of yourself as an independent being from the Rabbanu Shalom. In other words, I can fulfill my desires, I can assert my will. Why? What's the underlying rationale? Because I also exist just like the Rabbanu Shalom. In other words, you essentially testify to the idea of Yesh Oid Novadai. Those are the three ideas that are inherent in your act when you do a mitzvah and if you do it solely because of your motive. However, if you eat the matzah on the first night of Erev Pesach, which the Rabbanu Shalom wants also, remember there is no conflict of act because both you and God want to do this, uh, 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 want to do this act. In other words, you are in conformity with the Ratzon Haberi, the will of God. But if you eat this matzah, but instead of rejecting God's motive, you reject, however, your motive as the sole reason for this act. In other words, you negate your desire and interest because you enjoy its taste so much as the only rationale for this behavior, then you essentially testify to, to these three ideas. In other words, if you incorporate the motive or the will of God in the doing of the mitzvah, then what you are basically testing to, attesting to is these three ideas. One is the primacy of the Rabbanu Shalom's desires in opposition to your desires and motives. In other words, I want to fulfill his desires and not mine. Two, the preeminence of fulfilling the Rabbanu Shalom's will as opposed to fulfilling your own. And the third idea is the, uh, the assertion and confirmation that the Rabbanu Shalom is the only being that truly exists and therefore, it is his desires and his will which only exists and must therefore be satisfied. And you merely emanate from him and are completely dependent upon him. Thus, by doing this, in other words, eating matzah the first night of Pesach, because he commanded you to do this, you essentially testify and profess the idea of Einoid Novadoi. In other words, we see therefore that in category 2, those mitzvahs which uh, are in conformity and agreement with your desires and your interests, if you observe the mitzvah, then basically you are subscribing to these three ideas. The primacy of the Rabbanu Shalom's will, the uh, rather primacy of his desires, the primacy of his will, and the concept of Ein Oid Mulvadoi. Now, when I say that, I mean, of course, that when you do the mitzvah, and you incorporate the, the rutzen of the Rabbanu Shalom, the will of God, as your motive for doing this mitzvah. However, if you do the mitzvah and you do not incorporate his motive, in other words, you do it primarily, basically, because you want to do the mitzvah, you enjoy eating matzah the first night of Pesach, then basically you are stating, even though you are doing the mitzvah, but since you are doing the mitzvah because you want to do the mitzvah, you are basically stating, of course, the primacy of your desires, the fact that you have the legitimate right to assert your will and the concept of Yeshev Mavadoi, that you too are an independent being from God, therefore you have the right to assert your will and also, of course, to fulfill your desires. So we see, therefore, that in the category two, 
where the mitzvah is in conformity and agreement with your desires and your self-interest, the conflict that exists is what is the motive of the mitzvah? In other words, there's no conflict of act, but there is a conflict of motive. Do I want to incorporate the motive of God? Do I want to incorporate His desire and His will as an underlying rationale for my behavior? Or do I want to reject and negate it and merely do this act, this mitzvah, because I want to do it, because it fulfills my desire? That is really the conflict in the mitzvahs of category 2. We see, therefore, that as regards any mitzvah which is in conformity and agreement with your desires and self-interest, not only in the example of eating matzah, if you perform the mitzvah only in response to your desires and motives, and not at all because the Rabbi Shalom commanded you to do so, you are in essence testifying and declaring the primacy of your motives and interests, the supremacy of your will, and in essence the concept of your independent existence from the Rabbi Shalom. And we know this means basically yeshu in However, on the other hand, if you perform these mitzvahs, because the Rabbanu Shalom commanded you to do so, and not because you want to do them because you enjoy uh, these mitzvahs, then in essence you are professing the primacy of the Rabbanu Shalom's desires and motives, the preeminence of His will as that which should be fulfilled, and the concept that only He truly is, and we are completely dependent on Him. And consequently, of course, only his desire and will is significant and must be satisfied. This, of course, means Ein Oid Mavadoi. And, of course, Ein Oid Mavadoi is identical to the statement of Edus Yehudoi. Because when we testify and declare the absolute oneness of God, what we are really saying is Ein Oid Mavadoi. That besides God, nothing else really truly exists. And we who do exist, we who have been created, really emanate from him. We are part of Him, and uh, in essence, we are completely and totally dependent on Him, not only from, for our sustenance, but even for our very being per se. Thus, the key element or the essential idea of the Avedo, namely, because that is the essential idea behind the Avedo, we see that this Avedo is present potentially in every mitzvah of category 2 and is declared when you perform these mitzvahs in response to the Rabbani Shalom's desire and motive. <clears throat> we now see, therefore, how Edis Yehudoi is present in every mitzvah that we do. If it's category one, the mitzvah which is in opposition to your desire and interest because it is in conflict with your needs, your drives, or your urges, we see that Edis Yehudoi is potentially reflected in each mitzvah of this category. Because there is basically an opposing tendency between you and the Rabbanu Shalom concerning this act. So if you capitulate and transgress, then of course you declare your absolute supremacy, your independence from God. However, if you capitulate and do the mitzvah, then of course you declare the absolute oneness of God, that His desires and His will should be the one that should be of course performed. We also see that in category 2, the mitzvah which is in conformity and agreement with your will, we also see that Edus Yehudoi is potentially present in every mitzvah of that category. Because even though there's no conflict of act, because both you and, you, you, know, you and God 
want you to do the act because you enjoy it. It's part of it conforms to your desires, it conforms to your needs, your interests, your uh, drives, urges, and so on. We see also that if you capitulate and do the mitzvah with our God's motive as part of your motive, then in essence you are also declaring However, if you do the mitzvah, you do the mitzvah uh, without any motive of God, in other words, you do it solely because of your motive, your desires and your interest, then of course this is a statement of and that is why you are doing it. You exist independently of God, therefore you are entitled, of course, to do the mitzvah um, uh, purely on the basis of your motive. Now, if we examine or analyze the mitzvahs in either category, category one where the mitzvah is in opposition to one's desire and interest, and category two where the mitzvah is in conformity to one's desire and interest, we really observe two levels of avodah in every mitzvah. What I call the elementary level of the avodah and the profound level of the avodah. It must be remembered, however, that both levels of the Avoida are significant. In other words, before I explain them, you should know that both levels of the Avoida in every mitzvah, in both categories, are significant, and that both levels bring a tikkun to creation. But one level is far more powerful than the other in being a masakin, in being masakin creation. In other words, it's a far greater instrument for tikkun purposes. And that's what I want to do. I want to analyze the two levels of Avoida that every mitzvah can express, no matter it, whether it be category one or category two. Every mitzvah has both, both levels of avodah possible for it. It is up to the individual performing the mitzvah, the masakin using this mitzvah for tikkun purposes, to determine which level he wishes to be oived in. Most people remain at level one. The... Uh, um, the elementary level of Avoida. Very few people go to level two, which is the profound level of the Avoida. But it is really up to the Masakan, the individual, to determine exactly to what extent, when he does a mitzvah, to what extent will he be oivet. Now, let us look at a mitzvah in both categories to understand the two levels of Avoida that is possible. Now, category one which is a mitzvah that opposes one's desire, desires and interest. Now, I had taken the mitzvah of Isa Trefa, that you're not allowed to eat Trefa meat. And I'd used this previously as an illustration. So let's use it again to illustrate the two levels of Avodah. Now, what has to be remember, remembered, in all category one mitzvahs, those mitzvahs which are in opposition to your interest and your, your desires, there is a conflict of act over the mitzvah. The opposition or the conflict takes place in the very act itself. Should I do this act or should I, should I not do this act? If you transgress in the midst of trefa, in other words, if you um, <coughs> eat trefa, you perform the act, the actual avera, then you declare, and this I had said previously, one, the primacy of your desire, two, the uh, permissibility to assert your will, and three, that you are an independent being from the Rabbanu Shalom. In other words, in essence, you declare Yeshed Muvadoi. Besides him, you also exist independently. That's if you transgress. 
If you refrain, however, from eating trefa, meat, then you declare and testify the reverse, the primacy of God's desires, the preeminence of His will, and the fact that God is the sole being that exists. In other words, in essence, that besides God, nothing else really exists. And anything that was brought into creation is really part of God Himself. And of course, it's totally dependent on the Rabbani Shalom. But when you think about this, even so, when you refrain, let's assume you do the mitzvah and you do not eat tray for meat, you refrain. If you think about it, there still is opposing and conflicting desires between God and yourself. Let's assume you do not eat the tray for meat. So you, de you declare his primacy of his desires, his will, and that God is a mavadoi. But the truth is when you think about it, there is still something in you that opposes God. You still desire to eat of the forbidden meat, to eat tray for meat, and therefore you still wish or will to eat. In other words, there is still an opposing desire and an opposing will. Even though you have uh, observed the mitzvah and have not eaten the tray for meat, but there is still the occurrence or presence of an opposing desire and an, and an opposing will. If that's the case, we now see that there is now a second level of avoida which is possible. And this is a level of avoida in which you actually remove your desire for tray for meat and your will to eat it. You actually work on it to remove that desire and that will. Thus the first level of avoida concerning this mitzvah of not eating tray for meat is where you abstain from transgressing which in this case means you refrain from eating trefa, notwithstanding your op existing opposing desire and will. The second level of avoida concerning this mitzvah is where you succeed in removing even your opposing desire and opposing will to eat this trefa meat altogether. Thus we see that there is no opposition to the desires and will of the Rabbani Shalom at all. So we see what the two levels of avoidus really are. Even though you succeed in doing the mitzvah and not eating tray for meat, you still have an opposing tendency. You still have a desire to eat that meat, and you still want to eat that meat. So therefore, you are conflicted still, even though you've listened to the Rabbani Shalom. <clears throat> therefore, we see that there is room, or it is, there is the applicability, in essence, of two different forms of Avodah. The first level of, of Avodah, in other words, where you abstain from the act of eating tray for meat, is called the elementary Avodah. It is where you simply obey the Rabbani Shalom by not transgressing the mitzvah. Do what God said. You live in accordance with the will of God. He wants you to do this mitzvah, you do it. Do not eat tray for, I'll do it. Eat in a sukkah, I will do it. Even though there is an opposing will, an opposing desire. <clears throat> the second level of the Avoida, however, is what's called the profound level of the Avoida. And that is whereby all opposition to the Rabbanishlam's desire and will is totally removed. In other words, there is no desire or will for trefer meat. In other words, you have worked on yourself to such a degree where you're not even tempted by trefer meat in a restaurant. There's no desire whatsoever, there's no even will to want to eat it. That's a different level of the Avodah, where there's not even a conflict. You have removed yourself 
from category one, so to speak, as regards this mitzvah. Because this mitzvah does not even present to you a conflict. That is the second level of the Avedah. And it's a much higher level of the Avedah. Thus, not only do you observe the mitzvah, but there is no more opposing desire and will against the mitzvah. Now, in both levels of the Avedah, whether it be the elementary level or the profound level, one is made Yehudoi by performing the mitzvah. However, in level two of the Avedah, <clears throat> the Edus Yehudoi, the testimony in the, to the absolute oneness of God, <clears throat> the Edus Yehudoi of your act is far more intense, far more comprehensive than in level, level one. Because in level one, <clears throat> you are testifying that you do his act because but there still exists in you an opposing tendency, a conflict. I still want to eat the tray for meat. I still want, I want to eat the tray for meat. I will to eat the tray for meat. It's still there. But if you succeed in removing even that opposition, then the ADC Hood is obviously very different. That there is not even a self that opposes God. Not only do I listen to what God wants in terms of the act that He requires, but God is enigmavadi to such an extent where I will remove my own desires, my own will, contrary to God's will. In truth, the ultimate level of avoido that must be reached by all Jews really is level two, even though it's enormously difficult. But that is really the avoido level which the Rabbani Shalom wants. Because that is the greatest testimony of Edith Zichudoy of all. Because it is a complete negation of self to such an extent where there is no opposition to God. Because you believe that God is Enel Mavadoy. It is the level of all great Sadiqim and Kedoshim that were found in Kla Yisrael. Thus in every mitzvah of category one, and I used mitzvah Isa Trefa, not eating Trefa meat as an example. In any other mitzvah of category one, where the mitzvah opposes your desires, your interest, you should know that both levels, the elementary and the profound, are found. They are both applicable to every mitzvah in category one. Thus, in all mitzvahs of category one, the elementary level of avoidah, and I am stating this in general terms, the elementary level of Avodah in all mitzvahs of category 1 is where the mitzvah is performed even though one possesses an imposing desire and will. You do the will of God. If He wants you to do a mitzvah loisase, then you do that. You refrain, for instance, from eating treif meat. If He wants you to do a mitzvah ase, for instance, eating in a sukkah, even though it's very cold outside and it's damp, you do that also. But there's still an opposing desire and will not to do the mitzvah. So you testify that God is absolutely one, therefore you will accede to His desires, His will. Good. But you still retain the sense of self that I oppose fundamentally what God really wants. The profound avoidal level, however, is performed and executed when any opposing desire and will toward the mitzvah is removed also. In other words, I will follow the desires of God. I will follow the will of God because He is the sole being that is. But not only will I follow what He wants me to do, I will not even oppose Him, even covertly. 
I will not even oppose his desire. I will have no conflicting desires opposing will at all. And that is the profound level of the Avodah. And the truth is that that level of Avodah is found in Kedushim and Sadiqim. It is a level of Avodah which is not easy to achieve. You cannot get to this level of Avodah, in fact, unless you are committed to being an Oved. In other words, you, you can achieve the first level of Avodah, even though you're not totally <clears throat> immersed in the Avodah. But in order to accomplish level two, you must be committed to the whole concept of Avodah because it takes enormous work. Not to do an act is one thing, but to remove an opposing tendency, an opposing desire and consequent, consequential will is exceedingly difficult, obviously much harder. And you really must be committed to the Avodah to do that. But then again, if you're committed to the Avodah, that's already you're talking about on the level of a tzaddik. Because those people are ivdim. Those people are committed to the Avodah. But it is important for us to know that there are two levels of the Avodah in the mitzvahs of category one. Because a person cannot achieve a goal unless he knows of the existence of that goal. Let us look now at a mitzvah in category two. And we know category two is mitzvah, a mitzvah which is in agreement with one's desire and one's interest. In other words, your desires and interests, your needs, urges, and drives are in harmony with the mitzvah. That's category two. Let's take a look at a mitzvah in this category and see how both levels of avodah are applicable to it. We saw how <clears throat> both levels of avodah are, are applicable to category one, the elementary level of avodah and the profound level of avodah. Let us take a look and see how the elementary level of avodah and the profound level of avodah is applicable to category two. Now let's take, let's take the mitzvah of eating matzah the first night of Pesach, which I used as an example for the ADC uh, Chudah uh, manifestation, in other words, to show how ADC Chudah is manifested in mitzvahs in category 2. Let's take that mitzvah again. Now, we will use, utilize it again to illustrate the presence of both avoidal levels in that category. Now, what's important to remember here is that in all category 2 mitzvahs, there is no conflict over the act of the mitzvah. That is only true in category one. Rather, the conflict is whether one will incorporate the Rabbanishlam's desire and motive into one's act, thereby performing the mitzvah because he commanded you to do it. In other words, are you going to incorporate the will of God as part of the motive for what you are doing? Or are you going to reject his uh, desire, his will, as the motive of doing this particular mitzvah. If you perform the mitzvah, namely eating matzah on the first night of Pesach, and remember, you enjoy matzah tremendously, and you look forward to it, and in fact you eat matzahs, let's say, frequently. <clears throat> if you perform this mitzvah of eating matzah solely for your motive and interest, then as I had mentioned, you testify and profess these three ideas. The primacy of your desires and interests the permissibility of asserting your will in the first place. And of course, these two things are based on the fact uh, of the concept that you are an independent being from the Rabbani Shalom. In other words, Yesh Vadoi, therefore you are entitled to, of course, express <coughs> your own uh, interest, your own uh, will. However, 
if you perform the mitzvah of eating matzah because the Rabbani Shalom commanded you, in other words, you are incorporating, you are appendaging the Rabbani Shalom's desires and will to, toward your motive, you are incorporating that, then of course you attest to these three ideas, the primacy of the Rabbani Shalom's motives and interests, the preeminence of his will, and of course, the basis of that is that only the Rabbani Shalom truly exists and you merely emanate from him and of course you are totally dependent on him. Of course, this is a statement of Ein Oid Mil Vadoin. Now, but if we take a look at it, even if you do the mitzvah <clears throat> in that way, in other words, even so, when you incorporate his motive in the performance of the mitzvah and you adopt it as your motive, there is still the presence and permeation of your desire and will in the mitzvah act. In other words, you are eating matzo also because you desire it and therefore you want to eat it. So there you are eating the matzah again for two fundamental reasons. One is because God commanded you, you've incorporated His desires and you've made them part of your motives. But the truth is that you are eating the matzah because you want to eat it also. You desire matzah, and therefore you are eating this matzah because of the fact that uh, you exist independently. You have a right to do what you want to do. And that is, of course, to, do, to, uh, to uh, carry out what you desire. So therefore we see that there is a second level of avoidah even if you perform the mitzvah of category 2 and that is where you actually remove your desire and will in other words your self-interest as the motive for this mitzvah act namely eating matzah mm. and that of course leaves only the rabbanishnam's desire and will as the sole motive for executing this mitzvah thus the first level of avoidah concerning this mitzvah namely eating matzah on the first night of Pesach is where you incorporate the Rabbani Shalom's will as part of your motive framework for doing the mitzvah, even though your own desires and interests also exist side by side as the underlying motive for this mitzvah act. That is a mitzvah, and you are incorporating God's will as part of the motive, but this is level one. Level two, however, Level 2 of the Avodah concerning this mitzvah of eating matzah on the first night of Pesach is where you succeed in removing your desire and self-interest as the motive altogether, leaving the will of the Rabbani Shalom as the only motive, the only reason why you are doing this mitzvah, namely eating matzah. And of course that is an extremely difficult level of Avodah because it means again that you must remove the self-interest in doing a mitzvah and thereby lies the opposition because when you have to do a mitzvah even though it's in harmony with your desires you oppose removing your own desires as a motive so the first level of avoidah is where you allow the desire of the Rabbani Shalom as part of the motive well and good <clears throat> but the second level of avoidah is where you remove your own desires as the motive for the performance of this act. And that again, of course, is extremely difficult. Now the first level of the Avodah 
which of course is the elementary level, is thus the incorporation of the Rabbanu Shalom's will as a motive for your mitzvah performance. That is the first level of the Avodah. That's the simple level, the elementary level. The second level of the Avodah, which is the profound Avodah level, is where you remove all self-interest whatsoever as a motive and perform the mitzvah only because the Rabbanu Shalom commanded it, only for His will, only for His sake. <coughs> In both levels of the Avedo, one is made Yehudoin by performing the mitzvah because of the Rabbanu Shalom's will. However, in level 2 of the Avedo, the degree of Edis Yehudoi <coughs> of one's act is far more intense and comprehensive than level 1, and therefore it brings about much greater amounts of Tikkun in creation. And we see why. In level 1, when you do the mitzvah of eating matzah, then in essence what you are doing is you are incorporating the Rabbanu Shalom's desire and his will into your motive. So that itself says, why are you doing this? Because you believe that God's will, God's desires, of course, are supreme. However, you still oppose the removal of your will. You still have a contribution of self being expressed in that mitzvah. Therefore, level two is when you remove even the expression of self, which manifests itself, of course, as your desire, and therefore your uh, opposing will, therefore you do, uh, your will to eat the matzah because you enjoy it. In truth, the ultimate level of Avedo that should be reached by all Jews is level two. <clears throat> it is the level of all great tzaddikim and kedoshim in Israel. Thus, in general terms, in every mitzvah of uh, category 2, both levels, the elementary and the profound, occur. Thus, in all mitzvahs of category 2, the elementary level of avodah, in other words, that category where your interests, your desires are in harmony with the mitzvah, the elementary level of the avodah is where the desire and will of the Rabbani Shalom is incorporated as a motive besides your own desire and will in doing the mitzvah. And that is because you hold the desires and the will of the Rabbani Shalom to be supreme. However, the profound level of the Avodah is performed in mitzvahs of category 2 when your desire and will itself is removed from being a motive at all. And we know, of course, this is very difficult to achieve. So we see a contrast that in the category 1 where the mitzvahs are in opposition to your desires and interests, Level 1 is where you cease, where you refrain from doing the act. Level 2 is when there's no opposition whatsoever. There's no opposing desire or will. In the category 2 of mitzvahs which are in conformity and agreement with your desires and interests, level 1 is where you incorporate the Rabbanu Shalom's will. You take cognizance, cognizance of the fact that he commanded you, and you say, yes, I'm doing this mitzvah because God commanded me. However, <clears throat> in level 2 of that Avodah is when you remove the uh, expression of self in this mitzvah. And that is that part of the motive is also because I desire it and therefore I want to do this mitzvah because it somehow uh, fulfills my needs and drives. We now see therefore that both category 1, category 2, mitzvahs in either category have two levels of Avodah expressed in it.
the elementary level of Avodah and the profound level of Avodah. And as I said, they are both difficult to perform. And as I said in category one, the only way you can do level two in category two is you must be committed to the Avodah. It is impossible to do it by just the uh, normal perfunctory manner that most people do mitzvahs. People will do mitzvahs because God commanded them. That is a level of avoida because that itself is not easy. Because you'd much rather disregard God and do it because you want to do it. You don't want to have any owners or bosses over you. But to say, to remove self, to remove how self expresses itself, namely to do the mitzvah because... Uh, only of the, the Ratzon of the Rabbanu Shalom is extremely difficult. It can only be achieved if you really are committed to the Avodah. And uh, of course, you know, one can think of the strategies. How does one go about doing level two in either category? And that, of course, is a whole different topic that's, that's included in the ideas of Musa, the technique of actually being Oivet. How do you overcome your opposing tendencies your opposing will and desires. And how do, you oppose, how do you overcome the fact that you always have self-invested in any act that you do? That is part of Musa. That's the whole study of the Avodah. And of course, that is uh, very much dealt with in the Seif of Misilas Hashem, which was written by Rav Moshe Chaim Matzatoy. But in any case, I come here merely to mention uh, the framework of the Avodah, that there are two levels of Avodah, the elementary level and the profound level, in either category of mitzvahs. Uh, now, it is important to note uh, concerning the profound level of the Avodah, I wanted to add a certain idea. And that is that it is important <coughs> uh, to note <coughs> concerning this level, uh, concerning the level of Avoida, the profound level of those mitzvahs in category two. In other words, those mitzvahs which are in agreement with, with one's desire, that's category two. Now, concerning the profound level of the Avoida of those mitzvahs in that category, <laughs> and we know what the profound level of the Avoida of the mitzvahs in, the, in that category is to remove one's desires and interest as a motive for the performance of the mitzvah. That's really what it was, if you remember. That not only does one incorporate the rutzen, the motive of God, the desires of the Rabbani Shalom as a motive for this um, mitzvah, but he removes his own motive for the observance of this mitzvah. In other words, only the will of God is the motive for the observance of this mitzvah, not his own. That's the profound level of the Avedo. Now, what I wanted to add, that to remove one's desire and interest as a motive for the performance of the mitzvah does not mean to remove one's enjoyment and pleasure concerning this mitzvah. In other words, that one derives from this mitzvah. That's not what's meant. On the contrary, one is commanded to partake of permitted Earthly, ple earthly pleasures to elevate it. In other words, the uh, pleasurable materi material to the Rabbani Shalom's service. Actually, one really should enjoy whatever he is permitted to whatever extent he can. 
If not, then Chazal tell us that he will be held accountable on Yom Hadin for this neglect, which is something rather interesting. That if you fail to take advantage of the different pleasures of this world which are permitted, then on the contrary, you will be held accountable on Yom Hadin for this, uh, this omission. So we see, therefore, that when I say that one has to remove one's desire and one's interests from the observance of a mitzvah, it does not mean that one has to remove his pleasure or his enjoyment. Rather, the second level of the Avodah concerning the mitzvahs of category 2 means that you must remove the pleasure and enjoyment that you derive from the mitzvah from being a motivating factor in your observance of the mitzvah. You must reach a level where the sole motive and reason for doing the mitzvah is only the Ratzon HaBarei, the will of the Creator, and not your desire and interest that emanates from the pleasure and enjoyment that the mitzvah provides. In other words, of course you can enjoy the mitzvah and derive pleasure, but that should not be your motive. Rather, the motive of uh, performing the mitzvah in category 2, of course, is solely for the Ratzon of the Rabbani Shalom. This is the essence of the profound level of Avodah. Thus, the mitzvah is done totally in response to the Ratzon Hashem, to the will of God. Your desires and interests contribute nothing by way of being a motive for the observance of the mitzvah. And that's very important to remember. That when we talk about the second level of the Avodah, the profound level of mitzvahs in category 2, in other words, mitzvahs which are in conformity to your desires and interests, when we talk about this, what is meant, of course, is that you derive pleasure and enjoyment from doing the mitzvah, from doing the act itself. However, what is important to remember is that you are not supposed to employ this or incorporate your pleasure and uh, enjoyment as the motive for doing the mitzvah itself, you see. So therefore, um, you do the mitzvah solely for the motive of the Rabbeinu Shlulam. However, you, when you do the mitzvah, of course you can enjoy the mitzvah. For instance, if you eat matzah, if you eat matzah and you enjoy the taste, you can enjoy the taste of matzah. But what's important is that when you're eating the matzah, the reason why you're eating the matzah is only for the will of God, only because God commanded and for no other reason. And that is why you're doing it. You should not be eating the matzah because the pleasure in it is providing some aspect of motive. That's important to remember. See, actually, this really answers the question that sometimes people ask, how can you stop yourself from uh, <clears throat> letting your desires and motives be, uh, rather your desires be the motive for doing something because of the pleasure involved? In other words, biologically, we experience pleasure if we eat certain things, for instance. How can you remove a biological fact? And the answer to that is you can't. But what you can do is you can remove the biological fact of the pleasure and enjoyment as being the reason, the rationale for why you are doing the mitzvah. And that is what's required. Not to remove the pleasure and the enjoyment uh, while you're doing the mitzvah, but to remove the fact that this pleasure and enjoyment can serve as the motive. 
In other words, you should be doing the mitzvah solely because the Rabbani Shalom wants you to do the mitzvah. And that is really the Avodah of the second level, the profound level of the Avodah. In summary then, every mitzvah, whether it be in conflict with your desires, which is category one, or in conformity with your desires, which is category two, <coughs> every mitzvah contains, by your observing it, the declaration of Ein Oymavadoi, which of course is Edis Yehudoi, or instead, by your transgressing it, it contains the testimony and declaration of Yeshid Movadoi. That's what we see. That every mitzvah, if you observe it, then you are testifying Einoid Movadoi, which is Edis Yehudoi, the declaration of the absolute oneness of God. If you transgress it, then you are declaring Yeshid Movadoi. This is true of every mitzvah, whether it be category one or category two. Now, in all mitzvahs of category one, there is always present three conflicts. The first conflict is a conflict of act or desire. And that is it expresses itself as my desire and act performance. Or the Rabboni Shalom's desire and act abstention. In the case of a mitzvah loisase, like trefor, which is a negative commandment. In other words, my desire to perform the act of eating trefor or the Rabbani Shalom's desire to abstain from eating trefer. And, of course, if it's a mitzvah say a positive command, for instance, the mitzvah sukkah, then the conflict of act or desire goes this way. My desire or act abstention not to eat in the sukkah, that's my desire, or your desire, the Rabbani Shalom's desire, and act performance to eat in the sukkah. In other words, in every mitzvah of category one, there's always a conflict of the act or the desire itself. That's the first conflict. The second conflict is the conflict of will. And that expresses itself as either my will, which of course is actualized through my behavior, it's asserted through my observance uh, of what I want to do, or the Rabbani Shalom's will, your will, which of course is actualized and asserted through my capitulation toward your will. That is the second conflict which occurs in all mitzvahs of category uh, two, uh, category one. Now, the third conflict is the conflict of being. And that is that, and in other words, it expresses itself as, I exist independently from the Rabbani Shalom and am therefore entitled to my will and my desire, that's one side of the conflict, or I emanate from God, being totally dependent upon Him for my existence and continued survival, and therefore my separate will and desire from God is both inappropriate and in fact an illusion of reality. That is the third conflict that one uh, 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 realizes or one gets involved in in when he performs the mitzvahs of category one. Now, of course, ultimately, this leads to either a declaration of Eneid Mavadoi, which is Eidus Yehudoi, or a declaration of Yesh Mavadoi. This is a summary which I'm trying to present. Now, the first level of the Avodah in this category is the elementary level where you observe the mitzvah, even though this observance is in conflict with your desire and interests. 
This is the first level of the Avoidah. Now, the second level of Avoidah is the profound level where you are successful in removing even all opposing desires and interests toward this mitzvah. That's the second level of the Avoidah or the profound level. Thus, at the level your desires and will is in total conformity to the Rabbanishlam as regards this mitzvah, besides the actual physical observance of the mitzvah itself. So we see that there are two levels of, of Avedah concerning the mitzvahs of category 1, level 1, profound level, or I should say level 1, the elementary level, where you observe the mitzvah, even though it's in conflict with your desires and interests, the conflict remains, and even though you observe the act, the mitzvah, and level two, the profound level, is where you remove even, uh, where you remove even your opposing desires and interests toward this mitzvah. So therefore, your will is in accordance, it's con in conformity and agreement with the will of God. Those are the two levels of avoidance concerning the mitzvahs of category one. <clears throat> now, in all mitzvahs of category two, there is always present three conflicts, the same as in the mitzvahs of category one. In category two, there is also present three conflicts. The first conflict is the conflict of motive, and that expresses itself as my desires and self-interest is the motive for the mitzvah, or the rabbinish desires and interests are the motives for the mitzvah. That is the first uh, conflict, the conflict of motive, which is present when you perform a mitzvah of category 2. The second conflict is the conflict of will, and that expre expresses itself as my will, my will is actualized and asserted through my motive of self-interest. In other words, the fact that I am employing self-interest as the motive for doing this this uh, act or mitzvah, <clears throat> my will, of course, is therefore actualized. I'm doing what I want to do. Namely, I want to do this act for my own self-interest. So that's one side of the conflict. The second side of the conflict is, uh, or is it the Rabbani Shalom's will, uh, is his will actualized and asserted through my incorporating his desires as the motive for my behavior and action? And the third um, uh, conflict, <coughs> which takes place when one does a mitzvah in category two, is what's called a conflict of being. And that is that I exist independently from the Rabbani Shalom, and therefore am entitled to my will and my desire as the motive for my behavior, namely the mitzvah. Or I emanate from the Rabbani Shalom, being totally dependent upon him for my existence and continued survival, and therefore, a separate will and motive from the Rabbani Shalom is both inappropriate and in fact an illusion of reality. So we see therefore that there are three conflicts. Now, the resolution of the three conflicts in the mitzvah ultimately leads to either a declaration of Eineid Mulvadoi, which is Eidis Yechudoi, or a declaration of Yesh Oid Mulvadoi. Now, the first level of avoid in this category is the elementary level where you incorporate the Rabbani Shalom's desire and interest as your motive for the performance of the mitzvah. 
The second level of Avoida, however, or the profound level, <coughs> is where you adopt the Rabbani Shalom's desire as the only motive for your observance and totally remove your own desires and interests as the motive. Thus, at that level, the profound level, your motive and will is in total conformity to the Rabbani Shalom as regards the mitzvah, besides the actual physical observance of the mitzvah itself. This basically is a succinct summary of the Avoida that we had covered previously, the concepts of mitzvahs in two kinds of categories, the concepts of the fact that there are three conflicts, conflict of, um, three conflicts in either a category of mitzvahs, and the idea that there are two levels of Avoida in either category of mitzvahs. The first level, the elementary level, or the second level, which is the profound level. And of course, the uh, profound level, of course, in either category is really the object of the Avedah. That is what all Jews really should be doing.